0: It's not Welcome you know to the Midas Touch Podcast. What's up, Midas? Mighty Ben Mycelis here with Brett and Jordi Mycelis. We have an incredible episode for you today. Our guest, Democratic Congressman Charlie Crist, who is running against Death Santos for governor of Florida. It will be incredible to speak with Congressman Charlie Christ. Uh, Congressman Charlie Christ used to be Governor Christ of Ooh. Florida, It was a very popular governor of Florida. The polls have Congressman Christ 10 points above Death Santa's in a, error. A a That's a massive. That is incredibly exciting. There's also some other great candidates who are running and we want to speak with Congressman Charlie Crist about what differentiates himself from the pack, why he thinks he's going to beat DeSantis and what is on the minds of Florida voters. Incredible to have him on the show. Thirst trap, thirst trap alert, uh, Gordy. <laughs> Jordy, 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 Jordy. First off, wait, before we get into the thirst trap photo, first I need to ask Jordy, how was your trip to Trinidad? Um, I see you got your tan on. I heard there was an issue with your fiance. Is everything okay? I know. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm in New York. Everybody oh. knows about it. Every, <laughs> everybody knows about your trip to Trinidad. There's some issues with your fiance. I hope you all work them out. Just uh, Google it. I, uh, Google it. Investigative journalist, Jordy, comes back with scratches all over his body. Jordy posted a photo. For those who have no clue what the hell we are talking about, just frankly, apologies to Congressman Chris if he's listening to the beginning (laughs) before his interview of of this episode. He's probably thinking, what the hell podcast am I I coming on? But Jordy, Brett, let's put the picture up for those watching. We don't don't have to do that. Here it is. we have to, if you're going to post it publicly, we need to post it publicly live. Jordy decides to tweet this today. This image of himself <laughs> with his shirt with his shirt off, the toilet oh bowl seat gosh. open. Oh. Uh, Jordy has scratches <laughs> all over his body and has a PSA alert blaming his dog for causing scratches on his buddy. I commented big brother needs to step in here and uh, talk to Jordy about what Twitter is about. Jordy, you're on the hot seat right now. What made you post this? It's what a PSA. You- that. Why post anything? It's and a first PSA. All, are you Can okay? I, because these scratches are incredibly vicious. I need yeah. to know the, the origin say, story of right. the scratches and You're, what happened here because this is actually kind of horrifying photo. Absolutely. And here's the origin story. It's yours fault. It's it's Brett's fault and it's Ben's <laughs> fault. And here's why. You guys have been making me do TikToks lately, so I've been constantly on that app. And I threw. I went down this wormhole of TikToks of of pet owners right? Pretending that they're drowning and having them dogs jump in uh, the, the pool or the lake that they're in to go and okay. save them. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do that. Okay. And so I did that. And my puppy, Mellow, not his fault at all, really thought I was drowning. So he jumps in and, <laughs> and like, tried to drown you, tried to kill you, No, tried to <laughs> save me, tried to take me to safety. So it's not his fault at all. I blame the brothers for what happened. I think what you're saying is TikTok made me do it though. Right, but That's I would a popular never kid. on TikTok. It's a popular thing that TikTok kids say. They say, TikTok made me do it. TikTok made me buy it. Mm. Are you even up on your TikTok game? I'm trying to, but it leads to a lot of scratches, apparently. So Are you don't... okay? Siri? In all seriousness, are you okay? okay? You need bandages. You need, to is, go, you need to get you that get, treated. No, no. Could you be at no, the hospital right there's now? There's no like, time to go to the hospital. It's recording day. We're live with our viewers right now. I'm not going to the hospital. If you're listening to this, check our feed. uh, Check the video podcast when you get a second, because the scratch marks down Jordy's, not even just a tiny portion of his body, it goes down his whole body. My whole body. uh, I am curious, though, as to why you seem to be pulling down your towel and why the toilet is open <laughs> behind you. But we'll leave those questions for, unanswered. unanswered for, for Twitter <laughs> to decide and for our viewers to decide. So. But let's answer some <laughs> questions right now, which is what happened in the recall. The recall was an absolute Total failure. And while California voted no on the recall, making sure that Governor Gavin Newsom, who's doing a great job in California, remains as governor, rebuking this GQP, putrid, disgusting form of death cult politics that Hell they yeah. tried to inject in the veins of Californians. As Gavin Newsom stated, while tonight California voted no on the recall it voted yes to science it voted yes to women's rights it voted yes to the rights of immigrants it voted yes for the minimum wage it voted yes for the environment it voted yes for our future brett and jordy we are voting yes for the american people that is what the democratic party the only pro-democracy party major party in the united states stands for and that is a winning message and one in California. I agree, I think we just set up our entire strategy for winning elections going forward. I think we have a blueprint of what works. And Trumpism is losing. To embrace Trumpism means you are a loser. And that needs to be clear. But when Trump embraces you, it is the kiss of death. And you can look at all these candidates that he's tried to embrace and tried to that endorse. Meme. I'll put up, pull up the meme that uh, I created yesterday, and just go down the line. And there are more candidates than in th- that are just on this meme that Trump has wrapped his arm around to their peril. And we need to understand that Democrats are the pro-democracy party. I am so proud of my state of California for just totally rejecting the sham recall. I am so pissed off at the wasted 200, the estimates vary, $215 million, $246 million, $300 million Easy. that the Republican Party has wasted on this effort. But you know what the silver lining is, fellas? it's that Democrats are now fired up more than ever. They thought this would knock us down. They thought this would take us out of the fight, but it actually did the exact opposite of everything they could possibly hope for. They were hoping to damage Newsom. They just made Newsom into a national hero. Mm -hmm. Newsom is now going to skyrocket to be one of our top 2024 presidential candidates because of this event. Mark my words, that's what they just did. They also fired up Democrats Democrats who have been going through a lot. We've had a lot of wins. We've had a lot of losses. This is a major win. And now Democrats are motivated and fired up. And we know that if we show up and go to the polls, that we will win. And now we have to take this effort to the next gubernatorial race in Virginia, which early voting starts tomorrow and everybody needs to vote there. So this is a great, great, great platform from which we could build our pro-democracy coalition and win not just in Virginia, but in all of 2022, which I am excited. Let's keep winning and let's keep Trumpism losing only thing i would add there with a brief asterisk to your great remarks there brett is that president biden has stated he intends to run for re-election for a second term in 2024 That's, <laughs> <laughs> that said gavin newsom is propelled into a major leadership position for 2024 as well to help bolster democratic efforts there and serves as a model in california for how we help people's lives and how government can be used as a tool for making things better. Just look at these huge statistics, these incredible positive trends in California, that California is the only state in the United States to advance out of the high transmission category for COVID and is experiencing the lowest case rate in the nation. Nationwide, the US is seeing an average of 295 cases per 100,000 people and a positivity rate of 9.5%. Look at Ben, with the facts today. Look at the facts. And I'll, tell you an- <laughs> I'll tell you another fact, which is a horrifying fact, which is at this moment, one out of every 498 Americans has died of COVID. How horrific is that fact? But what California is showing, they're showing that when you do these vaccine and mask mandates, they work. They save lives. And Perhaps nowhere else is this better exemplified than looking at San Francisco, that their schools reported zero COVID-19 outbreaks. Outbreaks, just outbreaks in general, not deaths, cases. Zero of them after 90% of the eligible students became fully vaccinated, according to the San Francisco Department of Health. And you compare that to Death Santos's Florida, you compare that to all these red states, and the difference is just staggering. And it shows that science works Logic works, and this is a winning message and a winning policy that saves lives and is good for people. Perhaps also no better exemplified than the map that we saw of the recall, which where you saw in one map, the COVID hotspots, of California, and how those COVID hotspots aligned directly with the places that voted yes for the recall. While the places that were managing COVID the best, the people that believed in vaccines, the people that wore masks, those were all the places that voted no on the recall and voted to keep Gavin Newsom in power. It is no surprise that the people who believe in the science, the people that believe in mask mandates, the people that believe in taking the vaccine are faring better economically, with their health, and all around. That one stat I wanted to throw in there too, Brett, is California, unlike the previous stat, which is 295 cases per 100,000 people, California is seeing 20 new cases per 100,000 residents and a positivity rate of 4.4%. And just pull up this photo for those watching live. I'll describe it for those listening on the podcast. Um, Sergio almost did a before and after um, photo with first the photo of parents encouraging kids to burn masks on on the Idaho Capitol steps. This picture is really disturbing. It shows all these GQPers in the death cult with their children, just burning masks. I mean, you look at these people, I think sometimes about those uh, murals that were from the like medieval times where it just looks like pure chaos and pure like, it's like where people were just so crazy and just seeing this image, I just, I have that same view of like, It looks like just crazy people. And I feel so bad for the children there who are getting, you know, infected, not just with COVID and indoctrinated by these horrible, horrible, you know, uh, inaccuracies coming from their parents and from their GQP um, death cult leaders. And Brett, What I like to see, too, is we see with, you know, uh, testing mandates and with, you know, uh, requiring vaccinations, how it works in uh, corporations. We see the United Airlines CEO, Scott Kirby, on the number of resignations they have had so far over vaccine requirements. He says very few, very few resignations of people, handful, and as many as 90 percent have been vaccinated. Look. We tried to treat people like adults. We gave them what the top medical community data provides. We've educated people on what it takes to be safe. People want to go into their own... Facebook disinfo echo chambers and listen to GQP death cult politicians spewing inaccuracies. And we have to have ways to make people healthy. And those are actually very, very good signs there. And by the way, Republicans, let me just say, you don't have to take United Airlines word at it. You don't need to take our word for it. Fox News, yes, the Fox News, is bragging about in leaked internal memos about their 90% vaccination rate amongst its workers. And they, too, are doing a testing mandate or requiring that their staff be vaccinated. And they are probably the biggest disinformation spreaders of COVID out there. They do not talk the walk. They are making their viewers sicker. They are killing their viewers while they are protecting themselves. So think about that, Fox News watchers. Think about why they would want to mandate the vaccine for their workers while telling you not to take it. You are being played. You have to understand that. You're being played. And Ben, just to finish your point too about Idaho and what's going on down there. So that photo, that video, also disturbing. If we could play that same video of the kids burning the masks, uh, being cheered on by their parents, that was only a couple months ago. Now there's a tweet that came out today saying, breaking all of Idaho is in hospital resource crisis, allowing rationed health care. Rationed health care. How it is so beyond frustrating. And honestly, it is just depressing these are the death panels that republicans warned you about under obamacare except they are true (laughs) and in real life due to the actions of the death cult of the republican party this is what is going on in these red states when we tell people to get vaccinated when we tell people to follow the science it's not about control it's about getting our country safe and moving again in all aspects with your health with the economy all across the board i watched last night guys i don't know if you've seen this on netflix there is vox explained they did an episode about pandemics that came out november 2019. i recommend you watch this it is Horrifying how accurately they predict the next pandemic, which was basically just about starting as they released this episode. And everything they said about it from the way it would originate to the way it would spread to the speed at which we would be able to get vaccines due to this new vaccine technology using mRNA, all of it is in there. The only thing that they could not predict in this was the hesitancy of people to actually take the life-saving vaccine when it was out. They did not understand that we would have a horrific party encouraging anti-vax messaging and killing a lot of the population. That was not even considered. And it's just a sad indictment of what's going on in our politics right now. Brett, although I appreciate your, your TV show recommendations, I mean, we're living through that right now. So I, I, don't, I don't feel the need to actually go and, and watch something about a pandemic. It's quite uh, prescient though to watch it. I mean, it's really, it's really, really incredible to watch because it's just, you have Bill Gates, you have all these other experts in there and they lay out exactly what is going to happen and what needs to be done. Wow. And I also watched, they had one on cults, which I thought coincided very well with that. And they talked about the Moonies in mm-hmm. that episode, which... Trump just gave a speech to on 9-11. They talked about Jonestown. They talked about what makes a cult a cult. And when you watch this, you really, you really understand that Trumpism is a cult, that the Republican Party is a cult at this point, And they are leading their followers to slaughter. Jordy versus Brett intellectual boxing match y'all just watched right there. That was a very exhilarating, exciting intellectual boxing match. What was not an exciting boxing match, of course, was the Donald Trump hosted fiasco on 9/11, where a Vander Hollyfield who sounds fake. Everything you're everything you're saying just sounds like you're doing Mad Libs on on <laughs> Triller. Yeah. yeah, still <laughs> on Triller. <laughs> Well, here's what's not Mad Libs and isn't and doesn't sound fake, is that the ratings were the worst ratings imaginable. This thing lost so much money. It was a complete and utter failure. Think about this. Think about this statistics. Ready? Only 150,000 people watched that fight. Now, I want to put this in perspective. Donald Trump is a complete piece of shit, but he still is a former president of the U.S. And you would expect that any former president would have at least more significant ratings than one hundred and fifty thousand. I want to say this. The Midas Touch podcast ratings (laughs) consistently beat the Donald Trump hosted trailer match. Full point, end stop. Ben wins the intellectual boxing match between Brett and Jordy. And it's not even close. There are more people listening to this podcast for perspective than watch this Donald Trump pay-per-view event. Just let that sink in for a second. But I think it's proof of what we were saying was happening in California. Trumpism means you are a loser. Trumpism equals losing. And the Trump movement is dwindling. But that means that they are going to get more violent, they are going to get louder as that happens, as what Hal Sparks was saying with us last week. That when these people feel cornered, that's why they are losing their minds in the street. But I think it is comforting to know and to see that this movement is dwindling and becoming more insignificant by the day. I think California was a huge rebuke of Trumpism. I think the fact that Trump basically speaking directly to his base, doing everything he could to get viewers for this pay-per-view event and not being able to get viewers, shows that people are just over the guy, and even those Republican polls that show, do you want Trump to run again, and you get about 50% of people who say yes, that's 50% of like 20%. That's like 10% of the country gives a shit about this guy still. I think it's all very heartwarming. This guy is a loser. If you support him, you are a loser and you have to know that. But I hope the Republican party doesn't figure this out because the more they try to tie their candidates to this loser, the more they will be tied to a sinking ship and good luck. Try what you just did in California and Virginia. Try what you just did in California and Florida. Try what you just did to take back Congress. I dare you to do that because we are going to defeat you 100% of the time. Brett, you just packed so much into that in that time. I don't even the time uh, continuum was just <laughs> broken by all that knowledge that you just threw out. I want to give a reflection now as we talk about this horrible, heinous handmaid's tale, bounty hunter, anti childbearing person, anti women law that was enacted SB eight in Texas. One point of reflection before talking about the injunction sought by the DOJ, all of these crazy GQP wackos, the Ted Cruz's, the McConnell's and others, you don't really see him out there saying, look what we did in Texas. We did it. You don't hear him saying that. Fox one News bit. didn't even mention it for like 48 hours after it happened. That was their issue. This is what you, this is what you've been fighting Arguably for their biggest issue, Ben. They've been fighting to destroy the lives of childbearing persons, to destroy the lives of women. They got this crazy law passed. And I don't see any of the major kind of mainstream GQ peers talking about it. And let me tell you why. Going back to the California recall issues. What we vote yes for as a nation is women's rights are the rights of childbearing persons. That is what actually is popular in the United States of America, supporting human beings, supporting others. Those are issues that matter. That is why they are silent. And they know that these issues because what they're doing in Texas is completely unpopular, they know they'll lose elections from that. We just got to keep being motivated. Look at what happened in California. When we speak to government, when we speak to former governor and current Congress member, Chris, we'll talk about how we could win Florida. We could win these states. We could win Virginia. We're going to win in 2022. Let's talk, though, briefly about what the DOJ did um, in Texas. They filed an emergency injunction um, seeking to stop this horrible and heinous law. They had also filed the lawsuit seeking to declare that law unconstitutional. There was that weird Supreme Court uh, opinion that predated this injunction where the Supreme Court basically said, we're not going to be dealing with these issues now. It's too complex for us to figure out this Texas law. So let's keep the Texas law on the books. Um, The DOJs come with very compelling arguments that this state law violates current constitutional rights and precludes people from seeking federal remedies from going into federal courts by a state law having a law that is clearly in contradiction. And so this injunction attacks it from multiple angles, one on the basis that the law is unconstitutional, but also it prevents access to the federal system by making the state law remedy that's in contradiction. Um, An injunction is this emergency motion seeking to stop. But here we do see the DOJ taking action to support the rights of childbearing persons to support the rights of women, to take away this heinous act. This is a popular position that's taken. I think this is what the Democrats are doing actually a great job of right now. And this is what you and all of us need to be doing every single day. We need to learn from the lessons of the past. Mm -hmm. And I've said this before, when Barack Obama passed the Affordable Care Act, Democrats ran away. They bought into the Republican messaging that this wasn't popular, they ran away from it. They ran against the Affordable Care Act, which is now an incredibly popular piece of legislation, if not one of the most popular pieces of legislation out there. So Democrats need to stop running away from their policies and they need to understand that while the Republicans get a lot of media attention for their chaos, The American people stand with them. The American people stand with Democrats on Afghanistan. Be proud of it and own the withdrawal. The American people stand with Democrats on voting rights, on vaccines, on masks, on civil rights, on reproductive rights, on healthcare. The American people stand with Democrats. Own these policies and we will win every election. Also, what's very popular are Biden's child tax credits, very popular in Republican states. This is putting real money in the hands of people who need it. And it always surprises me when you look at the statistics, though, still, and while it is incredibly popular, you know, with with fairly overwhelming support, even in these GQP states, it does always surprise me, though, where um, you have like not 100 percent support like you don't want the tax credits um, for having children and when you need the money like it's bizarre but this is something that the gqp is afraid of because right brett this is a a incredibly popular position 100 percent. and you would think if you were looking back on the past year plus of the pandemic you would think poverty must have skyrocketed throughout this process and it was skyrocketing during the trump administration But over the past few months, poverty has decreased at such an incredible rate. And this is because of the assistance of these child tax credits. This is because of the American Rescue Plan. These policies work, and we do not need to have poverty in America. We need Democrats to continue to push policies that uplift people out of poverty and allow them the best chance for success. There's this image that always is ingrained in my mind. It's a video. Um, Play the video. I'll describe it. When Trump had the tax cuts for the billionaires, letting billionaires have these write-offs for their private jets and their yachts and allowing billionaires not just to have five yachts, but to have 50 yachts was basically what the GQP tax cut plan, which is really just... Uh, welfare for billionaires is basically what that plan was is basically giving the billionaires all of this financial uh, windfall. And when they were clapping, first off it's pretty much all older white men in this video. and so the images all of them clapping and what they were clapping for is that they did the bidding of the billionaire class. And look, in the United States of America, we should aspire. To be millionaires or billionaires, and live in nice homes, live in homes. We should aspire for the American dream. We should aspire for all of that. That's totally all good. But at some point, they're fighting for 50 jets instead of five jets. They're fighting for it's uh, 50 yachts instead of five yachts. And that image, oh, it just, you know, you could play that video as. I'm, I'm talking about it right now um, so you, you can see it, but I think I described it well. But we need to be focused on the American people. I'm excited to have Congressman Charlie Crist talk about how he is fighting for Floridians. And before we do that, I, I really just want to give a shout out to Magic Spoon. Yes. Uh, Magic Spoon, uh, I I pretty much eat Magic Spoon every day now. I no it's, it's honestly my go-to because it's, I'm literally eating magic spoon right now. (laughs) Well, I've been drinking protein shakes and having like protein powders for years, but I finally found a way to actually get the protein I need and the nutrients I need before or after workouts, every single morning, just through a cereal, just through a cereal. I mean, there are zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb. They have this variety pack, which is what uh, we've been eating, and we love it because you get all the different flavors. You get cocoa, you get the fruity, you get frosted, you get peanut butter. Sometimes you could like do combinations, which I like to do. You combine the cocoa with the peanut butter, make your own little Reese's peanut butter cup or Reese's. Sometimes people call it Reese's. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that's neither- Pittsburgh thing. Or- that is it is that a Pittsburgh thing? Yes. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But you can mix it. It tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup. And it tastes exactly like the cereals from your childhood, but it's super nutritious. It's delicious, super healthy cereal that actually brings joy to my mornings and afternoons. And I hope it does the same for you. What you should do right now is go to magicspoon.com slash Midas and grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code Midas. That's M-E-I d-a-s at checkout and you'll save five dollars off your first order and magic spoon is so confident in their product and i'm so confident in magic spoon's product because i genuinely love 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 this cereal that they will back it with a hundred percent happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason and trust me you're gonna like it it's absolutely incredible then they will refund your money no questions asked at all so remember get your next bowl of guilt-free delicious cereal at magic spoon dot com slash Midas. That's M-E-I-D-A-S. And use the code Midas at checkout to get five dollars off. Once again, M-E-I-D-A-S. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. And right after this, I'm going to have another bowl, guys. Don't judge me. I love it. <laughs> well, don't have a bowl yet because we're bringing in Democratic Congressman Charlie Christ representing Florida's 13th congressional district since 2017. Congressman Christ is the former governor of Florida from 2007 through 2011 and in May announced his candidacy for the Democratic nomination to run against Governor Ron DeSantis, who we call on this podcast Death Santos." <laughs> Congressman, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Hey, guys, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's so great to have you. And Congressman, so Governor DeSantis has pursued what basically amounts to, not basically is, a pro-COVID agenda. He prevents school districts, local government, private businesses, and others from implementing common-sense strategies to fight this pandemic. And he promotes disinfo about the virus in front of the Florida seal. Do you think Governor DeSantis should be held
1: personally and and even criminally accountable for what he's doing to Floridians? Well, it certainly seems like it's criminal. You know, I used to be attorney general of Florida. First, first and foremost, let me thank you guys. I really appreciate being with you, Ben and Jordy and Brett. Uh, What you guys do is great work and, and God bless you for doing it. But yeah, it's a mess. I mean, you know, it's a disaster. It's DeSantis disaster. There's no question about it. Uh, And let me give you just one example, if I might, that's kind of personal. So I live in Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, Clearwater area, Tampa Bay, if you will. And my niece, who's five years old, uh, we started school here a couple weeks ago. uh, And there's no mask mandate in Pinellas County, Florida. So she goes to school, elementary, obviously. Uh, Kids aren't wearing masks. Uh, She contracts COVID uh, about 10 days ago, Um, five years old. So she comes home. She has a younger sister, my other niece, who's two months old. Now she has COVID. Uh, and these flawed policies have consequences, guys. And, and it's, it's awful. Uh, frankly, it's embarrassing, but it's worse than that. It's deadly. Uh, you know, we have like 47,000, almost, we're approaching 50,000 deaths in Florida. It's, it's horrific. Uh, we have the most uh, hospitalizations, the most infections, the most death in the United States of America right now. Um, And it's like I say, it's a nightmare. And the fact that he would pursue these policies that don't protect people that rather hurt them is shocking. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who went to Harvard and Yale, so he's not a a, a stupid man. Uh, But these policies are horrific. Uh, and, And, you know, my fellow Floridians suffer as a result of it. Um, that's part of the reason I'm running against him for governor. He has other policies that I think are terrible too, anti-women, anti-civil rights, anti-human rights. And, uh, so I'm honored to be in this race. Uh, it is going well. And, and it's, like I say, it's great to be with you guys. I got to get one of those hats. That's pretty sweet.
0: We will him, definitely get you. We'll Please. definitely send you a hat. You know, he's not a stupid man, but he is acting incredibly stupid. What do you think is the driving force behind that? Is it the uh, addiction to Trumpism
1: and the death cult that the Republican Party has become? No question. That's a big part of it, Ben. But I think it goes a little deeper than that. You know, he's rumored to be a candidate for president in 2024. And I think exactly what he's doing is playing to that hard right Republican Trump base on issue after issue. And it starts with COVID. Uh, And my state suffers as a result of it. He is pursuing and more concerned about Iowa voters than he is about his fellow Floridians in 22. He's all about 2024. Uh, And it's it's awful to see. It's awful to witness. And we saw in California, too, there was a big rebuke of that Trumpism
0: and that Trump base. Do you think, though, in Florida, where are the voters at right now? And look, we know that that santis's poll numbers are decreasing. We see that widely reported. I'd expect it to fall even less. Like, do the voters
1: in Florida get what's going on, that their lives are on the line in this election? I believe that they do. Listen, Floridians are smart and, and I believe and I trust in the people. You know, we once had a president who said that, you know, people who serve in government should be of the people, by the people and for the people. And that's how I've always tried to comport myself. And and numbers lately, if you can trust polling, and, and you know, that's marginal from time to time. We're, right now, as we sit here today, I'm up on him by 10 points for the general election, 55 to 45. And he's dropped his favorability rating, as you indicate, 14 points in the last three weeks. I think Floridians are fed up. And I don't think it's so much a partisan issue anymore because you look at this COVID issue it really isn't right versus left, although it's been adopted that way by a lot of the Trump clan. But what I think it is more so is right versus wrong than right versus left. And when an issue gets to that point where it's so fundamentally clear that what he's doing is wrong and not putting the people first, um, you know, I don't care if you're a parent that happens to be a Republican, when your child goes to school and they contract COVID, You don't care if the governor is a Republican or a Democrat. You care if they're leading with science, if they're listening to Dr. Fauci, who he happens to mock in his campaign. They're selling, you know, different items, beer, coolers and what have you that say, don't Fauci, my Florida. Well, here in Florida, we've adopted a slogan. Don't DeSantis, my grandparents or in my case, my nieces and nephews. I mean, it's awful. It really is awful. But the people get it to answer your question.
0: Now, there are some also other great candidates who are running for the Democratic nomination. How do you think that you differentiate yourself and you think that you're the person who can beat that
1: well, I think the biggest distinction is probably what Joe Biden brought to bear in the presidential last time. It's experience. You know, I've been governor before. I've been the attorney general of Florida. I was elected commissioner of education for the Sunshine State. And now I'm a member of Congress. So I think I can bring to bear that host of experience, if you will, having served as the governor uh, and having served in the federal government. So, you know, we get elected God willing, that on day one, you know, we don't need any on the job training and we can work well hand in hand with the Biden administration to help Florida do better, go further, go farther and make sure that we get this COVID in the rearview mirror as soon as possible. I hope it's gone by then. But, you know, God only knows. I mean, you know, we're upticking and it's sad.
0: Let's talk about day one. Uh, Say we get there, you win the primary, you defeat Ron DeSantis, you have all this experience. Say COVID is still around in Florida. What actions do you take on day one to reverse the damage that DeSantis has done?
1: Well, you know, make sure that we're following the science, as I said earlier, Brett. And I think that means that, you know, you advocate the wearing of masks, you advocate getting vaccines. You know, right now he's talking about people getting this Regeneron medicine. But that, as we all know, that's something that you take if you're you know, already infected, uh, wouldn't prevention be better? Listen, my dad was a family doctor in St. Pete for 55 years. I have a sister that's a physician as well. And because of that, I think, you know, I understand science and I understand you need to listen to scientists and make sure that you're following the two most simple things we can do to stop and crush this virus. It's vaccine and masking. And we would advocate it from day one. I love that. And let's talk about a constituency that I feel like the Democratic Party treats often as a monolith, and that's
0: Hispanic voters, which are incredibly crucial to winning the state of Florida. I feel like we've been losing ground with those voters over the past few years in Florida. How can we bring them back into the fold and let them know that Democratic policies are actually a pro-democracy set of policies that will benefit their lives?
1: Because that's exactly what they are. That's a great question, Brett, because recently the governor has signed a bill that makes it harder to vote in the Sunshine State. We're seeing this in a lot of you know states that have Republican governors. This one would say that it's more difficult to do a mail-in ballot. I mean, my 89-year-old father, my 86-year-old mother love to do mail-in voting. Uh, frankly, it's convenient. And when you're in the middle of a pandemic, it's also a lot safer uh, to make that more difficult after the governor bragged back in November that the election in Florida was great, that it was flawless, we didn't have any problems. And then they go into session and they try to address a problem that doesn't exist to suppress the vote. So we know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to make it harder for Hispanics, for African-Americans to vote because drop boxes under this bill would not show up in minority sections and communities of our state. That's bad for Hispanics. It's bad for for black and brown people. It's just bad for democracy as a whole. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And going back to DeSantis now, now, I've done
0: some research and I've heard people behind Ron DeSantis' back within his own administration have been calling him wrong DeSantis. Now, have you heard no about question. this? Have you oh, heard I it? sure have heard about yeah. it. Yeah. Why, do you and, think yeah. why do you
1: think they're calling him that? Because he's wrong on every issue. Um, you know, clearly on COVID, he's wrong you know, women's rights, he's wrong because he doesn't support a woman's right to choose. You know, Texas has just adopted this horrible law, you know, about after six weeks, you don't have the right to make that decision for yourself if you're a woman about your own health care. Florida and the governor are already talking about in January, bringing that into our session and having that be passed to restrict women's rights even that much more. Voting rights, we already talked about. He's wrong on that. Women's rights, he talked about. He's wrong on that. COVID, we already talked about. He's wrong on that. He is wrong, DeSantis. You just put a W in front of the R, put a G after the N, and it's wrong, <laughs> DeSantis. He's dead wrong, and it's deadly, sadly. Wow.
0: Spot on. That's amazing right there. Now, can we shift gears <laughs> slightly? And uh, You bet. And I've been doing a little bit of research uh, before you came on, and is it true that you were a standout star high school quarterback back in the day? And then not only that, you walked on to your college football
1: team? Uh, that's true. And now I, I was a <laughs> first string quarterback in high school. I don't stand out star applies necessarily. I try to be humble. But yeah, I walked on at Wake Forest and uh, made the team, played there wow. two years. But, uh, you know, I missed Florida so much, I transferred down to Florida State and finished undergrad there. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I did play. I did, did you, play. Do you see overlap
0: it. with uh, like the leadership mentality and the gritty mentality between politics and, and, and sport?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. You know, I I really think that, you know, particularly when you look at the quarterback position, you're the leader of the offense, obviously. Mm -hmm. And back when I played, you get to call the plays. Now it's more so the coach is doing so. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that camaraderie that you developed, um, the discipline that you have to have, um, you know, working with teammates as a team to, you know, do what's best for the team. As they say, there's no I in team. You all have to work together for a common goal to get in the end zone. (laughs) And uh, I think that I think I've learned more from having played football than majoring in government and going wow. to law school. It really taught me a lot, no doubt.
0: Now I don't think the brothers knew I, re- I was going to ask so many football-related questions today. But while we're on the topic <laughs> of football, I have, you have to the ask,
1: former governor on.
0: Jordy, running for governor, and you're going to football. This is important. This is important. It's all right, <laughs> all right. Let's see it. So Tom Brady, he's in Tampa Bay. Are you are you are you a, are you a Tom Brady fan now? Now that he's in Tampa. <laughs>
1: Big fan. Actually, I've been a big fan of his probably because I played quarterback and watching a guy like that play the position the way he does is remarkable. Uh, met him recently, frankly, uh, at the white house, uh, president Biden had the team up there to celebrate their super bowl win. I had the chance to to be there and, and have good conversation with Tom Brady, uh wonderful guy and our coach Arians. He's excellent and really a player's coach. Uh, that really bodes well with, uh, Brady's experience to be able to defer to somebody who's played so long and so well.
0: How good was it when Brady trolled Trump when he was given the speech, uh, you know, (laughs) and it was kind
1: of, it was one of my favorite moments. It was hilarious. And just for your audience, I mean, what, what he said was, you know, he's up there and he's speaking, we're on the South Lawn of the White House. I mean, it's a pretty majestic setting, right? And he looks over to President Biden and he says, you know, we still think that maybe 40 percent of America thinks the Kansas City Chiefs beat us in the Super Bowl. Can you relate to that, Mr. President? He goes, I sure can. It was hysterical. It was great. Great comedy. The current Republican Party, do do
0: they even, in your view, support democracy anymore? I mean, is there even a way to speak with them. I mean, there used to be some level of collegiality. I mean, in 2014, you famously wrote about how the Republican Party was taken over by right wing extremism. And and you were early money on that in 2014. Did you think it was going to get this extreme?
1: (laughs) Oh, no. And and you know what, Ben? Sadly, it's only metastasized uh, since that happened. And that really, I started to see the vestiges of that during 2009, 2010. I was then a Republican governor. And I had the audacity, good word for this, to work with a Democrat and President Obama. But he was doing things that were helping the Sunshine State. He was pushing to make sure that the Stimulus Act would pass, the Recovery Act. You know, we're in the middle of the, the Great Recession that wasn't great. And then when we had the BP oil spill uh, that emanated from Louisiana and came to Florida's shores, again, President Obama was down here. And I can tell you at the time, my former Republican friends would tell me, Charlie, you're a Republican. Why are you working with this Democrat? And I said, because he's the president of the United States of America, and he is here to help Florida and America. And I'll work with anybody to do things that are right and are going to help the people of my state.
0: Finally, Congressman, what do you tell a voter who's still, for whatever reason, on the fence, you know, who's... I get this info from Facebook. I'm seeing this on TV. I don't know if I should vote. You know, what's your call to that voter right now when they know what the stakes are going into 2022?
1: Well, if they want somebody that's a leader of the Sunshine State, our CEO, in effect, is our next governor. If they want somebody who really does care about people, who really has compassion and empathy in his heart, who really looks out for them in his soul, Or if they want to have somebody who's wrong on all these issues that most people agree upon, a woman's right to choose, taking COVID seriously and listening to scientists, standing up for the right to vote. I mean, my former colleague, God rest his soul, John Lewis of Georgia, used to always tell us the right to vote is precious. In fact, it's sacred. If you want somebody who feels that way about these important issues and protecting the beautiful Florida environment, then Charlie Christie is your guy, and I would be humbled to serve you again perhaps an
0: anticlimactic end after that's usually the ending question, but we do things a bit differently here. I just (laughs) have a question that I'm personally (laughs) curious about, you know, and it's rare to have someone who's a governor and a member of Congress, you know, on the same, on the same show. So just what's that experience like? I mean, you, you were the governor. Now you're a member of Congress. How do you compare them? Do you like being a member of Congress and how do those experiences relate to each other? Just, you're, you're, I think you're the only member of Congress who previously was a governor. So it's a unique the insight in the to House.
1: Have there. That's right. Well, sure. No, it's a great question. And they're very different. Um, you know, let me say that at the outset. I enjoy both. Um, you know, being the uh, leader of the state, humbling experience. It really is. Uh, never thought that would happen in my life. And the chance that it may happen twice is remarkable. But, you know, you get to do so much good for so many people in that position because you have that much authority. Now, you know, being in Congress, it's a joy for me as well. And again, it goes back to sports. You know, I'm an old team player and and working on our team of people in the Congress is a joy. So many great, dedicated people. I know the polling numbers for Congress generally are pretty bad, but there are some great, wonderful people who really do care about the future of America and work very hard every day. Congressman Charlie Crist, I see now why your polling numbers are 10 percent
0: above DeSantis. Let's keep it that way. Um, and we appreciate you coming on the Midas Touch podcast that we will be following your race against Governor Ron DeSantis,
1: and we wish you well. Thank you very much, guys. It's great to be with you. Uh, keep up the great work. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. The Midas we'll be Touch. Right back. We'll be right back after these
0: messages. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. It was great having Congress member Chris on the podcast. What a great interview. I mean, serious candidate right there. And I think he can bring down Death Santos. He's the real deal. I think we have some incredible candidates running for Florida, and I think that everybody needs to realize that Florida is extremely winnable. I also hope you take a listen to, on our Zoomed In podcast, our podcast by Gen Z, but for everybody, they just interviewed one of the other candidates running. To take on Death Santos, Nikki Freed. Take a listen to that interview as well. I think between Nikki Freed and Charlie Crist, we have two incredible candidates. Charlie, I thought his platform is incredible. I am loving his poll numbers against Death Santos, which are so they're they're incredible, far above the margin of error. He seems like a great candidate to take on Death Santos. And let's be clear about Florida: Ron DeSantis only won by 0.4 percent in his race. Now, let me elaborate what that actually means. There are more people who have died in the state of Florida of COVID than the amount that DeSantis won by. More people have died in the state than his margin of victory, which is a horrifying statistic. Now, DeSantis is not running a race for everybody. DeSantis is playing to the loser Trump base. That's all he cares about. Every single policy is to try to court the loser Trump base. So I think a candidate that appeals to all sane Americans is going to have an incredibly good shot at winning this race. And I look forward to watching Charlie Crist's campaign expand and grow. And I think we really got a great shot at it, you guys. And we need to stay motivated, keep registering voters on the ground. And we need to Fauci, Florida. How about that? We need to do what we did in California to Virginia to Florida. And we need to have a democratic, both small D and big D America. What I love so much about what Charlie Chris had said, other than the football tangent that we had went on, which I could have kept talking to him about football (laughs) for another 20 minutes. But anyway, was what he would do day one in office. Having someone with that experience, having someone who's actually been governor before, there's, look, there's obviously going to be learning curves around other candidates, and I'm sure other people in the Democratic Party would do a great job. But just the way Charlie held himself, I feel so confident that day one, he's in office, we're going to get everything under control down there. I'm really liking, uh, switch gears for a second, I'm really liking this Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley. He's really impressed me over the past few years. Um, obviously, there was the lapse in judgment by going out in Lafayette Square with yep. Trump during the protest, and he Big lapse. and he apologized for it. He admitted that it was a horrible decision to do that, that he was being used by Trump. I think he was placed as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs in a particularly horrible position by the Commander in Chief who was a horrible and is a horrible human being, but big mistake there. But since then, he's come out really defending the values of America, Mm -hmm. really defending our democracy. And we learn more and more about some of the steps that he was taking behind the scenes to really try to save the country and the world. During the maniac, manic, craziest days um, when Trump had lost, when he thought and lots of military leaders thought that Trump may use a nuclear bomb, that Trump may start World War Three. And this wasn't a hypothetical scenario. They were very, very, very concerned in the new book, Peril by Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward always getting some great, Wild, right? I mean, historically just getting scoop after scoop after scoop. Um, but talking about how two days after the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol, um, General Mark Milley took secret action to limit Trump from potentially ordering a dangerous military strike or launching nuclear uh, weapons is what's uh, in the book. And there's this scene depicted in the book where Milly calls a secret meeting with all the military leaders in private, in a secret room and he speaks to them and he goes, here's the process. You do not deviate from the process. Anything that is asked of you has to get cleared through me before it gets approved, whether that's a nuclear strike, an attack on a foreign country. If you do not go through the process, I will hold you in contempt. I will hold you accountable. Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? And went to each person, each military leader, and made sure they confirmed that they would uphold their constitutional oath not to follow the crazy orders of the president. And we'll hear more stories about this, too. Um, More and more is going to come out. And Republicans the, are trying to use the, this right now to say, oh, Millie, that's treason. He's treasonous. You're not allowed to do that. And I'm, hey, I'm not going to pretend like I know military protocol. I'm not. And I know even like Alexander Vidman has said that, you know, there are questions that will arise about if Millie went through the correct protocol. But I'm not here to comment on that. I'm not a military guy, I'm a civilian and i tend to agree with the perspective of richard signorelli who's been on our show the former assistant u.s attorney at sdny and he basically said i guess general milley could have followed strict protocol with trump but then we would all be dead so with anything you gotta weigh Mm. the pros and the cons which i Mm. think is spot on and when you think about what milley really did here was he didn't do anything abnormal all he did was he told his people, remember that there is a set of steps that you have to take. He was just reminding them of the rules that were already in place. He wasn't telling them to overturn the rule of Trump. He was just telling them that there is a set hierarchy here that the president cannot just unilaterally launch nukes and go to somebody who falls below the chain in order to do it, and that you all need to respect the military protocol that has been in place for hundreds of years. And I don't see any controversy about that. And personally, my belief is that General Milley is a hero doing this, Mm -hmm. because we all remember what it was like on that day of January sixth, And we all remember the fallout after. And none of us knew what was going to come next. But we knew that Trump was a deranged man who was willing to sick his followers on the country, who was willing to do everything in his power to overturn the results of this election, including starting nuclear wars. So I'm happy that General Milley spoke out at the time, allegedly, according to this book. And I think ultimately your job as the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you swear an oath to the Constitution to protect America from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I think that is your responsibility above all. And we often forget the domestic part of that. And Mm -hmm. I view Trump as a domestic enemy of this country and what he was doing to be a threat to America. So I think General Milley, in my opinion, did the right thing. And I think we need more General Milley's out there. I feel like people will give him a hard time, too, for not speaking up more forcefully uh, publicly. The problem with that, let me know if I'm wrong here, is, well, if he did speak up in public. He would have just been replaced with a lunatic that would have been a yes man to Trump. Jordy, we've seen this story so many times, right, about the person who works in the administration or works in the military, who writes an op-ed, who writes a book, whatever it is. And guess what, though? They're then out of power. Mm -hmm. And they get replaced, like you said, with somebody who is even crazier. So it's really hard to say, right. you know, I think you want to have the courage to speak out. But I do understand the desire to say, hey, I am the one thing stopping nuclear war. Exactly. So maybe I should keep this internally right now in these last couple of weeks of mm-hmm. this presidency and do everything I can to save America and sound the alarms according to how I think it is best per, you know, military protocol and everything else that's going on. I'll give you another analysis there, Jordi, psychiatric or psychological overlay when dealing with narcissistic personalities one way you provoke a narcissist is by trying to stop the narcissist. And when you Mm. say no, they say yes. When you say yes, they say no. And so actually speaking out publicly to prevent a narcissist from doing something actually encourages the narcissist to actually do those things. It's interesting in that same book, Peril, Um, Former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, reported in this book, was doing extensive research on how to deal with Trump. And so he researched narcissistic mental disorders just to determine if he could interact with Trump or how to interact with Trump. But apparently after doing this research, Paul Ryan simply decided to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, well, that's 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 his MO, right? Because he was Speaker of the House. And he actually was at least a little bit an anti-Trump voice. And instead of taking on Trumpism head on, he quit. He quit. And so I think that links up with, you know, what could General Milley have done? Should he have quit or should he have taken it, you know, head on? And he decided to take it head on. There's also the story that comes from, you know, all this new reporting about how Pence was investigating whether he could actually overturn the election results. And he reached out to former Vice President Dan Quell to determine if there was any loophole in the Constitution that would allow him to not certify the election results, which is completely frightening. And Dan Quell didn't know how to spell potato. And there's a whole whatever. That was the biggest controversy in American politics. The guy couldn't spell potato potato he misspelled p- that was a major story yeah, that can like I, tanked can, it. Can, can, I, can i just be honest I, I have a really hard time spelling potato i got i don't think i could spell it right now if you guys well jordy you're not vice president of the United yeah, you're, not, States you're, not, president. you're not you're not you're not you're not vice <laughs> <president>. <laughs> i feel like i needed i feel like i needed to get that off my chest jordy there's no e there's no e at the end that's all you got to know there's no e it's not potato like mm. on your feet and that was the mistake that dan quell made in spelling potato and that was like the Should biggest scandal should we just do Sesame Street now for Jordy? Ready? It's spelling contest. T O T A T O. how do you say it? Potato. Potato. It's the <laughs> L and are. the A placement that's what, that's what really trips me. That was that was our Sesame Street injection into range. the There's range the, on into this into podcast. Range. Want to give another update on the podcast update. in addition to the fact that Jordy doesn't know how to spell Potato is we had e. Jean Carroll on the show uh, mm-hmm. uh, recently, um, and e. Jean Carroll talked about her upcoming court appearances. We know that there was the issue, of course, with Donald Trump substituting the DOJ in his place in the case. Um, we talked through how the current DOJ maintained that position, but it is interesting here because there may be a little more going on when we're thinking to ourselves, well, yeah, Merrick Garland did say the the DOJ is, you know, going to maintain that prior position that the U.S. can substitute in the case. But notice, they're not really pushing back as of yet <laughs> on the judge's decision to allow discovery and to allow the underlying case to continue while it goes down the appeals. And so part of it may be, well, yeah, we're going to support this concept of Uh, executive privilege and circumstances just because we're the DOJ. And that's literally what the job of the DOJ is to do is to support the claims of executive privilege. But you know what, rather than try to like (laughs) stop that from happening and Judge Kaplan uh, in a recent order, a very quick, short order basically said, um, yeah, I understand that the DOJ substituted in. I'm denying without prejudice, meaning that the DOJ the current DOJ would be the ones that have to file, <laughs> the, would have to file the, you know, to stay the appeal. And let's just follow and see what Merrick Garland does and what the DOJ does. Can Trump fire the DOJ in the suit or is it just against the United States? So, like... Well, no, either Trump will have to pursue it on his own. He could fire his own lawyers, but he decided that the representation is going to be the DOJ in his place. Oh, so they may say, hey, you know what? We're a little busy, you know, dealing with the insurrectionists at the moment. Maybe we can't... uh file that stay to stop discovery. So I don't know what they're going to do, but it is an interesting legal analysis. And also, while I'm talking about legal analysis, make sure you listen to Legal AF every Sunday. If it's Sunday, it is Legal AF. If it's Saturday, it's Legal AF Live, the top (laughs) legal podcast in the United States with legal analysis like that and more. Brett and Jordy and before we end the show i just want to highlight some things that democrats are doing for the people i think we have such incredible energy right now on the democratic side energy energy as jordy calls it big d energy (laughs) jordy Jordy, we have to keep getting guests like congress (laughs) member chris on the show so you post jordy you can't call it big d energy i'm sorry (laughs) why not (laughs) you can't do that why not you're making it you're making it weird You're making it. (laughs) Okay, in the interest of big D energy. Have you guys heard about the Freedom to Vote Act? This is a compromise bill and would be a huge compromise in rights if passed. <laughs> this is a bill compromised with Amy Klobuchar, Joe Manchin, and several of the Democratic colleagues in the Senate. It is a stellar election protection compromise bill that safeguards both the right to vote and the integrity of future federal elections. So this combines important protections from the For the People Act and from Raphael Warnock's Preventing Election Subversion Act. So Senator Manchin obviously has been the sticking point in this legislation. He is. This is his bill, so that's a good start. He is has this mythical idea that he's going to be able to wrangle 10 Republican votes. We all know how this movie ends, so let me tell you how it ends. They're not going to accept it, Joe Manchin. You could try all you want. They have already said that they do not care that it's a compromise bill. They are going to go against Democrats at all costs. But maybe this will be the thing. And maybe I'm being way too hopeful here, but maybe after he realizes that he can't get the 10, even when he came to the table of compromise, maybe that'll push him over. To to carve out the filibuster for exactly. for this. Yeah, exactly. I, think, I think that is sort of the strategy. I think he wants to make a good faith effort, but he needs to realize he is not dealing with people who are acting in good faith. President Barack Obama has expressed his support of this bill, which is always a vote of confidence in my eyes. And then we got the Democrats pushing this bill back better $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, which, by the way, I think is poor branding for what this bill is, because let's not call it the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. This bill is fully paid for. It will cost net $0 because it taxes the wealthy and large corporations to pay for the bill while giving the middle class one of the biggest tax cuts in the history and Ben you were talking about that moment of all the white male uh, GOP congress people applauding giving their tax break to the wealthy so they could buy more yachts and and jets well guess what this bill is the polar opposite of that the republicans blew a hole in our deficit with that bill this bill is fully paid for and even if it's not fully paid for but it is Guess what? The defense budget over the same period of time would be well over $7 trillion, more than double the cost of this bill. And this bill is giving the middle-class tax cuts, it's lowering the cost of childcare, higher education, prescription drugs, health care, housing. This is a bill that is long overdue for Americans. And I can't emphasize this enough. It is fully paid for. And Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema. once again, this is popular legislation. This is what the American people want. And this is what we as Democrats need to rally behind. Because while Republicans are going down the rabbit hole of their death cult and are just doing everything possible to kill people and to help the wealthy, This is policies that actually help working people and that people will notice when they go to the polls this year in 2022 and beyond. In conclusion, we are winning. We are going to win. And we need you to stay in this fight every single day. Do what you can on any scale. You can do it. Just because me, Brett and Jordy created the movement, the fact that you're listening to it, the fact that you are a part of this means that you are part of something that could make a difference. Go out, try to register voters, speak with your friends, tell them about all the news that you're learning give them the accurate information, show them the accurate sources, explain why these policies are benefiting their lives. Together, we could build a coalition of pro-democracy loving people that will forever better the United States of America. Special thanks to Democratic Congressman Charlie Crist, who is running for governor of Florida against Ron Death Santis. Thank you for coming on the Midas Touch podcast. Special shout out to our sponsor who makes the Midas Touch podcast episode. You are listening to today possible Magic Spoon. Go Do I can to to have the- my second bowl yet or what? I'm so hungry. <laughs> Go to the Magic Spoon website and make sure you type in the code Midas and make sure this is really helpful for us as well, that you just reach out to Magic Spoon. Tweet at them. Let them know that you've listened at the Midas Touch podcast. They like to see the sponsors like to see people engaging on the podcast. So just tell them that you heard about them on the Midas Touch podcast on socials. They like that. Wherever you're listening to this, make sure to give the Midas Touch podcast a five-star review that helps the podcast keep going. Give it a five-star review. Make sure you listen to all the other podcasts on the Midas Touch podcast network. That's the Legal AF podcast that is zoomed in. That is Maya Culpa. That is Kremlin Files. Subscribe to those podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast that you're listening to and go to the Midas Touch website. Check out the Midas Touch merch. We have some incredible pro-democracy gear. We still have some great wristbands, new gear. We got t-shirts. We got wristbands. We got hats. I think Congress member Chris liked the Midas Touch cap. You can wear (laughs) Midas Touch gear. Go to the website and check out all the different Midas Touch gear. The Midas Touch hat we may have to bring back into stock, the one that I'm wearing um, after having that interview. And I just wanna give a special shout out To the Midas Mighty for making this podcast such a success. It's such an honor and a blessing that I get to spend an hour or more with you multiple times a week with my brothers talking about issues that matter most. Appreciate you all as always. And I'll hand it off to Jordy to say, as he always says, shout out to the Midas
1: Mighty!